Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of For the Love of the Game podcast. I'm your host, DC. It's been a minute because uh, we've had no sport, so it's been a little bit quiet. Uh, not much to talk about in terms of news, but we have a breaking story as of today. Uh, we have Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement, getting traded from the New England Patriots to go and play football with Tom Brady. So, Gronk apparently uh, had a conversation with, I think it was his agent, um, and I think he even had a conversation with the Bucks as well, uh, that he said he wanted to come out of retirement and play another season with Brady uh, in Tampa. Uh, this is really interesting because he kind of said he needed a year to kind of heal his body, and then he went on this little CBD adventure, and then we didn't really think we are going to see Gronk again, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's back! Uh, now, he is at the probably the back end of his career after spending a, a solid amount of time you know, in his prime at New England. He has been very injury prone over the last couple of seasons, so this is going to be interesting. But let's take a look at the lineup for Tampa Bay's offense, shall we? You have the quarterback, Tom Brady. You have wide receiver, Mike Evans. Wide receiver, Chris Godwin. You have the other tight end, OJ Howard, and now you've got Rob Gronkowski. This is super interesting, and this is where it gets. This is where I'm a little bit concerned because Bruce Arians, the head coach, is not only one of my most favorite head coaches of all time because he's just a he's just a cool old man, but he is notorious for not utilizing the tight end position as a pass catcher. He does not no, he does not like it. Arians is a risk it for the biscuit kind of guy, which means he likes throwing it downfield and he likes taking chances to win games. Now, this is interesting because you've got two high caliber tight ends and we saw it last year where OJ Howard ended up getting benched, I think for a period of time because they weren't utilizing him in the offense. So now you have arguably the greatest tight end in NFL history in Rob Gronkowski joining the team, and you don't use the tight end. How's this going to work out? Now, this is my theory. I don't believe Tampa Bay would have taken a risk on trading for Gronk. By the way, the Patriots gave Rob Gronkowski and a seventh-round pick to the Buccaneers for a fourth-round pick in this Friday's NFL Draft which I will be doing a podcast preview on before the draft, and then I'll do a recap show after the draft this Friday, um, which is pretty pretty exciting. Now, the draft is going to be uh, all virtual, so we're not going to get the, the fans booing Roger Goodell, which I'm sure he's going to be pretty happy about. Um, yeah, so it's gonna, yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting draft because it's going to be completely virtual. Like, the players aren't even going to be allowed to go on stage or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be different, but you know in today's climate everything's different. Anyway, back to back to the topic at hand. So I don't believe Tampa Bay would have made the trade for Gronk, and if they and they weren't serious about Gronk and taking all the Patriots leftovers, it, uh, especially to a head, especially for a head coach who who historically does not utilize that position. If if Tom Brady did not have some sort of influence over. The direction of the team, especially from an offensive point of view, you know, the playbook, all that sort of stuff. So, I don't believe that um, 
they would have made that trade for Gronk and give and give up that fourth round pick if Tom Brady if they did not trust Tom Brady to have a say in the offense. And considering he's the greatest quarterback of all time, um, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, you know, if you if you trade for Tom Brady, you give up what you get. You know, if you sign Tom Brady for what you signed him for. Uh, you, you're going to captain, even though he's at the back end of his career, and you only think you've got two good years left for him. You know he's the great. He's won six rings. You know, trust the man. I'm sure that they will cater the offense towards Tom, and I think that's going to be a lot of the reason why they've signed uh, Gronk. Is because, well, especially in today's climate with coronavirus, like Tom's on a new team, he's not going to have the time to create chemistry and bond and rapport with his new teammates because. Uh, I think it's around the, around this time they'd be doing OTA mini camps, and then you've got actual training camp starting in uh, June, July, and then you've got to go into preseason. Uh, no, they have the summer off. Sorry, then they yeah they come into I think it's July, yeah July yeah no it's June July June July June July uh, summer camp. Then you go into the preseason, which is in August. Uh, which has also been shortened to three weeks instead of four, so we're only going to get three preseason games, uh, three three preseason week weeks of games, and then we're going to kick off onto a seventeen week, uh, sorry, seventeen game season, which means the the season will now be seventeen games long, uh, which is technically eighteen weeks because every team will still get one bye week, um, and then they've also increased the amount of teams going into the playoffs by two. Uh, which kind of being, uh, puts a bit more stakes on the wildcard weekend, I think. So this is super. Like I'm actually kind of curious because the, now the Bucks' offense is a complete fantasy lineup. You have two of the two of the best fantasy wide receivers in the game. Uh, if you guys play fantasy football uh, like I do and like uh, like my buddies do, uh, you'll be like, "Oh wow, this is going to be awesome for fantasy production." Mm, let's wait and see. So like. Grog's had a year to, you know, heal his body, recover, hopefully, but at the same time, he's had absolutely no football contact. He's had no contact, you know, um, for a year. So he, he might find it a little bit hard to kind of get back into. Um, but also, I'm wondering, how's this going to bold for Gronkowski's WWE career, which, you know, he just hosted WrestleMania, he won the 24-7 championship, he hasn't lost the 24-7 championship. Is this going to be... You know, an issue is is Gronk only going to be in WWE on a on a very 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 part time and maybe just a personality capacity, um, not necessarily in ring competing. I don't know. We will find out. So that's the that's the top line news, guys. We have got Rob Gronkowski being coming out of retirement, being traded from the New England Patriots for himself and a seventh round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which they are giving up a fourth round pick for Gronkowski in that seventh round. So this is going to be really interesting to see how this fold, uh, unfolds. And actually, you know what? I kind of like it. I like that Gronk, you know, it's exciting. It's actually created a lot of buzz coming in into this morning. You know, Gronk coming back out of retirement. Everybody loves Gronk. He's a, cha- he's a champion. He's a legend and he's a loose unit. Nobody dislikes Rob Gronkowski. If you do, you're just a pure hater. All right, let's move on to the next round of news. We've got uh, a lot of new uniform unveilings over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I didn't do a, a podcast on it because it's really like it's just filler information, really. But 
some key standouts of the new uniforms. Uh, the Browns have kind of gone back to a, a more of their old school type uh, uniforms with the stripes. I think the stripes are coming. The stripes on uniforms seem to be coming back into into popularity, coming back into fashion. Uh, then we've also got the uh, Patriots, which have made their color rush uniforms their permanent their, their their permanent uniform, uh, which is pretty cool because that was actually their best uniform out of the bunch. Um, and then you've got the Atlanta Falcons making their uniform change for the first time in I think twenty, uh, I think twenty years. They haven't they've gone twenty years without a uniform change. Now the the Falcons have changed their uniforms and to what looks like an NBA uniform. Just that's that's my opinion. It just looks very NBA. Uh, it looks like a basketball uniform, but you know, well, cool. Like, it's not terrible, but you know, it's also not great. I, I did like their old uniforms. Uh, I'm just glad they kept their logo because I like I really like their logo. Uh, then I think we who else had had a uniform change? I think the, the Lions have a new. I think the Lions had a uniform. No, the Bucks. Sorry, the Bucks did end up having a uniform change. They've gone back to kind of like their not the not the the creamsicle orange um, like they had in the in when they first came into the league. They've gone back to their early 2000s, late 90s style of the, uh, you know, that, that blood crimson red. Um, and they just kind of like, you know, made it a little bit more simplistic. And thank God, because those brown uni brown and orange uniforms were just god-awful. God-awful. Um, so I'm happy, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Bucks uniform. And finally, among the uniform changes, and I'm going to say this from a biased point of view, but also a factual point of view. For, the, for a number of years, the best uniform in the NFL has always been the Chargers because the way that they use the color scheme with the lightning bolts, it's just been really good. Like, it's just just a great uniform. With Especially that, that powder blue uniform is by far the best uniform in the NFL. And I'll go as far as to say the best uniform in sports. Hands down. Um, now, they have unveiled their new uh, uniforms this morning. Uh, courtesy of Good Morning Football and Joey Bosa. And what they came up with was... Was wow. Like, it was incredible. Um, I really enjoyed what they made. They simplified the lightning bolt. And they so they had a... It had a navy outline, a white outline with the yellow thunderbolt. And they've changed... They've taken away the navy outline and just left it white and, and gold... For the Thunderbolt, they've stretched it out a little bit just to kind of just kind of play around with it. I actually really like it. I don't mind it. Kind of modernizes it a little bit, uh, and it doesn't have such a curvature to it. And then, because you know, quite frankly, Thunderbolts Thunderbolts aren't really curved, so it's, it does look a little bit more like a Thunderbolt. And now they've taken that same motif of you know taking away the navy blue lining and applied the new logo to the entire uniform made it it looks very they've taken what was the best uniform in sports and they've made it even better uh the color scheme looks awesome they've gone back to their their at their original afl roots in 1960 with the powder blue tops with the gold pants and the and the instead of white striping they've got the, they've still got the yellow striping which is awesome uh, they've also put the numbers back on the helmets and changed the font of the numbers, which is cool. Uh, a little bit more bold, which is which is really nice. Not it's not very it's not the uh, the the skinny type numbers anymore. It's that big bold white lettering, which is sweet. 
uh, and their Color Rush uniforms. Oh my God. It's a full navy outfit with with gold lining, and then you've got the the blue. You've got a navy blue thunderbolt with gold lining on around it. It's it's really sweet. If you haven't go go check them out, guys. The uh, Los Angeles Chargers have by far the best uniforms in the NFL, the best uniforms in sports, and you will not change my mind on that. Show me one better. Show me one better. You can't. You can't. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, that's it for the news segment. Uh, rolling on to the next thing, I want to have a quick chat about the Michael Jordan slash Chicago Bulls Netflix documentary that came out earlier this week. And Lord, Lord Almighty, I've been waiting for this for a while, and it was supposed to come out later in the year, but because of the whole coronavirus and isolation sort of thing, they brought they brought it forward to release this week. Netflix is only releasing two episodes a week, so the, there goes the binge on that, which I was I was like, I was going to binge that entire series because it was just so good. Um, so they released the first two episodes, and the premise of the series is it's a documentary series based on the final season of the Chicago Bulls on their final championship run. So the, the, through the 90s, the Chicago Bulls were the undisputed best team in the NBA, and quite frankly, the undisputed best, you know, most dominant team in sports. They made six finals appearances, and every finals appearance, they walked away with a ring and a trophy. So, and that's that's very hard to do for any team. For you to make six finals, three of them consecutive, and win every single appearance, not lose a single one. You did not lose a single finals appearance. That is that that is a, a legendary feat. So the series is premised around the final season, so the sixth, the, the quest for the sixth championship. It's called The Last Dance. Now, the reason why it's called The Last Dance is because the brass of the Chicago Bulls, so the owner and the general manager, there was issues between them and the head coach, Phil Jackson, the legendary head coach, Phil Jackson. And basically, Phil Jackson got told, so he was finished after five, five seasons. And then they fought and tried to get him to come back for a sixth. Michael Jordan said that he would not play for the team if Phil Jackson did not coach the team. So they ended up re-signing Phil Jackson after a lengthy debate uh, for the final sixth season. And they said that irrespective of how the team performs, Phil Jackson will not coach the Chicago Bulls after that sixth season. Uh, they said that he could... And, very, and the general manager said that he can win 82 games, which is the entire length of the NBA season. And if he does not, if he is not successful, it does not. If he's successful for 82 games, it did not matter. He was going to be ousted as the head coach, no matter what. So Phil Jackson took all of that on board and had his pre preseason meetings with the team, and he brought up, he made a document or a playbook and all that sort of stuff. Uh, head, you know, heading into the the season strategy, and he named the document the Last Dance, hence the name of the Netflix documentary. So, it's all it's all based around the climactic end of the the Bulls dynasty in the '90s, and it goes behind the scenes and shows you what happened. You know all the politics of the general manager and the head coach, and between the players, um, the it, it is very heavily based not only on the team but you know Michael Jordan and mainly Michael Jordan, because you can't you can't tell the story of the '90s Chicago Bulls without Michael Jordan. The reason why they won those championships was because of Michael Jordan. So that's um, that you know that that's why the, you know Michael Jordan is so heavily focused on this 
uh, on this series. And for the first two episodes, it kind of goes back and forth. You get a bit of a backstory into how Michael Jordan came to be. You know, him, you know, starting as a kid, uh, how he played, how he played as a kid, and then going into college. Uh, you know, getting drafted out of college as the number three overall pick in the 1984 draft, and then coming into uh, the season for the Bulls and. You know, once he, once they discovered that he was the guy, that's it. It was all systems go, and then Michael just you know shot off like a rocket, and then took the Bulls, which were basically in obscurity. They were just a, they were an, an absolute joke of a team in the early '80s, and then what Michael was able to do in the mid '80s and help transform that team and turn them around. He took them to the, the their, their first playoff appearance in God knows how long. Um, they didn't make it past the the early stages, but you know it's a massive turnaround for the team. And then it just kind of showed, you know, the success that they had that had flowed on from that. The second episode is really predominantly focused on Scottie Pippen and, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened with Scottie Pippen about why he ended up leaving the Bulls, um, why he got traded, uh, how he was the second-best player on the on the team and 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 probably in the league, but statistically speaking, and the Bulls did not re-sign him. Uh, so that there's a lot of story and backstory into that. Um, so guys, I'd really implore you, like, if you're a fan of sports, if you're a fan of greatness, if you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of Michael Jordan, go on Netflix and watch these first two episodes. They're released two weekly. There's going to be 10 episodes in total, I believe, which means it's going to be a five-week five week watch. Um, and then once they've all released them, you know what, go back and binge the whole thing one by one and just, you know, get the whole story in one sitting because it'd be freaking awesome. Just take a day. You know, everyone's in isolation. You got time. Make it happen. So the Last Dance, guys, an awesome show. It's you know so far it's a slow burn. There's not a, there's not a great deal. You know it, it is a slow burn getting into that in, into the, the the juicy stuff where we see Killer Jordan on the floor. But it's cool that we get to see all these behind the scenes stuff about how the how the team ended up breaking down and everything that happened. So go check out The Last Dance, guys, on Netflix. It's a good watch. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited for the, the next few episodes to come. Um, oh, and some other news as well. We got told that the NRL is looking to come back in, I think, believe it was the end of May. Uh, so the NRL has made a stand and given a date, said, right, we are going to be back. This is the date. I believe it was the 28th of May. I could be right. 28th of May, I'm fairly certain that's correct. Um... So they're going to be. So we're looking forward to seeing that, you know, come to fruition. So we can get some footy back on the on the t on the TV. We can get something to watch again. Get something to be excited about. Um, have something to cheer for and be positive about. Because obviously everybody's kind of like, you know, climbing the walls at the moment uh, in stress, being in isolation and whatnot. Um, and also in other NRL news, Todd Greenberg stood down as the. Uh, commissioner of the rugby of the NRL and uh, Paul Vlandes ended up stepping in and taking that spot. So, which we kind of saw coming. Uh, you know, I think I spoke about that on the on the preseason show uh, before the season kicked off. That you know there was rumblings that Todd Greenberg was actually either going to get fired or quit, and sure enough, that has happened. So apparently, there was a few uh, team executives from certain clubs that were not happy with how he had steered the ship to this point so far and eventually he I think the pressure got to him enough that where he just stood down so that's that uh, in other news we've got the UFC uh, they ended up canning all of their shows this was due to pressure from ESPN which is owned by Disney 
Um, Dana White was trying to fight super hard to make sure that the shows went ahead, especially the Khabib and Ferguson fight, but then ended up Khabib pulling out because he wasn't able to make the fight. So they tried to replace Khabib with Justin Gaethje, which would have been a great fight, very violent. Um, but and then, uh, but the pressure from Disney and ESPN for um, the UFC to not go ahead with what they're doing, um, have de- they've decided to, to, to put that on hold for now. But they have said that they are trying to set a comeback, a hard comeback date of a in a large list of really great fights for May the 9th, which I believe is UFC 249. Um, I think they're still going to run with uh, Ferguson versus Gaethje. Uh, I know that Tyron Woodley and Col- Colby Covington want to have a fight. I think Amanda Nunes was slated for the card as well, but I think she might have pulled out because she said she wants a full fight camp. Um, so either way, hopefully we get some fights back on because the UFC is really awesome to watch. So hopefully we get to see that come May 9th, which is two days after my birthday. Um, which I will not be celebrating in great fashion, even though it's my 30th, because of coronavirus. Um, Alright, so what else we got on the cards here, guys? Uh, Major League Baseball, kind of just, you know, still sitting on that the, the hiatus. No words on the NBA coming back. They have not announced any dates or anything like that. They're still working through how to make that happen. And because the US is in such a hard... You know, it's such a hard uh, state at the moment. It's uh, it's really like we're, we're still questioning whether we're actually going to get an NFL season this year. So it's it's really dependent on how this is going to work out. Um, you know, I think sports are going to be forever changed. You know, like, at least for the foreseeable future, um, with no crowds. And I think that they're going to be continuing this whole social distancing thing for a while. So it, it looks like we're not going to see fans in arenas or on fields uh, for quite some time. Um, yeah, I don't think really, there's not a great deal of other news um, at the moment. Uh, oh, in WWE news, we've just got announced that Drew McIntyre will be challenging uh, Seth. Roll- well, sorry, Seth Rollins will be challenging Drew McIntyre for the WWE title, uh, which is pretty sweet. We've also got the Fiend Bray Wyatt, which will be challenging Braun Strowman for the Universal title, which is pretty good, pretty good. There's a lot of backstory there with the, you know, Wyatt bringing in Strowman into the Wyatt family in the early days as the Black Sheep. Um, and they're really, and they're, you know, they're, they're focusing on that to kind of go along the storylines, which is pretty cool, I like it. Um, you know, WWE, credit to them, they're doing what they can to try and keep fans invested and, um, and, you know, and to put on good shows and whatnot, and and with that with that being really the only game in town in terms of sport to watch or you know athleticism something athletic to watch, um, yeah, it's you know whether you like wrestling or not, you know you know credit to WWE for keep you know trying to keep people entertained through these hard hard times, hard times. All right, guys. Well, look, that's I'm just going to leave it at that now. It's been a quick pod. Uh, I will be definitely be back with a longer, uh, more in depth preview of the NFL draft which I'm pretty excited. Draft time is always exciting because you know if you get to see what your team is going to bring into the fold to see how they go for the future there's a lot of questions hanging in the balance like will the Chargers draft a quarterback hopefully they trade up and they get Tua um, will the Patriots draft a quarterback because they don't have one 
and also uh, our team's going to you know jump around in the shuffle, trade players, trade picks. You know what's going to happen, we don't know. But I will hopefully have a guest on to help me break that down. Um, if not, I will be definitely doing a breakdown of the top draft candidates. I'm probably just going to go through the first round, guys. I'm not going to go through all seven rounds of the draft because that's going to be a long podcast and probably pretty arduous for you to hear as well. Um, So I will be back probably tomorrow or if not the day after, and we will drop some draft knowledge on you guys to help you get, get your pump for the NFL draft. So until then, stay tuned, and I'll catch you next time. Peace out.